Love Your Bod Pod. My name is Kara Karin Safeli, and I am your host. And on this podcast, we talk all about healing your relationship with food, body, and beyond so that you can live the life that you've always wanted to live. Today, we have a very special interview with Stevie Wright, and we're talking about breath work, inner child work, self-love, and feeling like we need to earn our love or our worth or our value through external achievements. I think it's something that a lot of us can really resonate with and connect to if we're struggling with food and our body. I'm really excited about this episode because there are several topics and healing modalities that we discussed today that made a huge difference for me and for Stevie, and they're topics and themes that We haven't explored in much depth on the podcast, but we are going to be exploring them deeply in the coming months inside Food Body Soul, the membership. If you are new and not familiar, Food Body Soul or FBS, the membership is my online group coaching program and sisterhood where you'll find confidence with food and your body and cultivate a deeper connection to yourself. It is so juicy. It's so magical. It's so rich with nurturing and nourishment. It might be my favorite place. It just might be. The women are amazing. They're so supportive of one another and the breakthroughs and the transformations and the liberations in their lives that they're ha- that they're having through the membership inside the membership just fills my heart up with so much joy. The current month of August, depending on when you're listening to this, is all about emotional eating. In September, we're diving into body image. October is inner child healing. November is inner critic and December is self-love. So each month inside the membership, you get a masterclass and a journal dedicated to that month's theme. We have a group coaching call. We also have a virtual retreat and there's a Facebook community where you can stay connected to one another. Also within the membership portal, there is a toolkit. It has a variety of tools to support you in the healing work, including breath work from the very lovely Stevie Wright, our guest today. And Stevie was a huge influence in me deciding to become a breathwork facilitator as well. I worked with her one-on-one for six months and it was a truly incredible experience and we did a lot of breathwork together. Surprise, surprise. So if you are somebody who is looking to heal your relationship with food and your body, you wanna connect more deeply to who you are instead of being who it is that you think you need to be to be loved, to be successful, to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. If you're caught up in people pleasing, if you're struggling with your self-worth and your self-esteem, I'd really love to invite you to join us inside Food Body Soul. The membership doors open on September 1st. They're only open for a couple of days at the beginning of each month. And if you want to learn more about it and you want to join the wait list so you are notified when doors open, you go to foodbodysoul.co. Again, that is foodbodysoul.co to learn more. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Stevie Wright. She is a certified self-love coach, breathwork facilitator who specializes in helping people open portals to their unlimited potential. She is the founder of The Breath Channel, a breathwork membership platform that has attracted hundreds of members for its fast and effective breathwork practices. And as a teenager, Stevie made it to the top 36 of American Idol and sang for America. She helps high performers and overachievers find their worth outside of what they do. Stevie has spent the last several years healing herself to go from disconnected, anxious, and playing small to completely owning her power and now helps others do the same. Stevie offers high-level coaching to individuals and groups. I'm so excited for this episode. It is super juicy. Let's get into it with the lovely Stevie Wright. Hey, Stevie girlfriend. So happy to have you here. What's up, boo? Kara. Thank you for having me. 
I know, it's so fun. I feel like the roles have reversed a little bit. Uh, as I had shared in the intro, Stevie right now in this moment is my coach. And now I get to interview her, which is super, super fun. Oh, it's the best. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So for those who are listening, they're not familiar with you. They're not familiar with your work. Who are you? What do you do? What's your magic in medicine? I, this question always gets asked on podcasts and I don't always really <laughs> know what to say. Um, my name is Stevie. I'm a self-love coach and a breathwork facilitator. Um, the work that I do in this world is really around supporting people in becoming the, the, the highest, most aligned versions of themselves and remembering who they are, remembering their power, rem remembering their truest essence. And so that looks like uh, working with unworthiness, working with belief systems, working with um, somatic work, uh, inner child work, helping them change beliefs at a, at a body level, at a nervous system level. I really believe that, um, you know, mindset work and thought work is great. And I do a ton of it myself personally and with my clients. But I think that if you are leaving out the body, you're, you're kind of missing a big piece of that, that healing puzzle. So I really like to work with the body and um, support people in releasing what doesn't serve. And I, I, I kind of, um, when I think of, when I think of someone's truest essence, I think of their soul. And I think of, I don't know why, when I think of Iron Man, like the, the bright light in the center of their chest, you know, and it's always been there. And a lot of the times, um, you know, if someone's interested in working with me, what we talk about is there's nothing new that I'm going to teach you. Like maybe you'll learn some new tools or new tips or things like that, but none of this is new. It's actually always been who you are, what we're going to uncover right now. That light is maybe just a little bit dusty. It's maybe a little bit dirty. There's some cobwebs. And so we're just, we're just clearing out the old out the, the belief systems that have, that you've taken on that aren't yours, the stories that you've bought into that aren't yours. And we're, we're coming back to the truth, the truth of who you are. So does that kind of give you an answer? Yeah, yeah, totally. I want us to dive in deeper about the importance of healing, uh, the body. What does that actually really mean? So I want us to put a pin in that and get back to that. Um, but to further help people know a little bit more about you. Can you just share with us about your history with anxiety, with being a performer, with perfectionist? You know, you didn't really fully struggle with an eating disorder or like really get caught up in diet culture per se, but I think those are tenets and characteristics of those of us who struggle with eating disorder. I think eating disorders are anxiety disorders to some degree. So I'd just love for you to also share a little bit about that. Absolutely. So apart from the um, fun, fun fact, apart from being a coach, I'm also a professional singer. And I've been singing professionally since I was 14, probably. Um, the last 10 years I've been in a band and we do uh, a lot of celebrity weddings and high profile events. Um, so I kind of lead a double life. Like, you know, I mean, obviously not with COVID, but life coach by day, singer by night on the weekends, you know, um, but I've always been a performer and uh, I've always been, a you know, I've, I've, I have talent. And so I was, you know, bless my family, but I really was given the message that I'm worthy for what I do and not who I am just at my core. And so it was confusing for me as a child because I was, I could feel that I was um, 
getting attention for the what I could do and the, the talent that I had. And I could feel that I wasn't actually seen, seen. Like my, tr- my, 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 my essence wasn't seen or felt, but it was also confusing because I am a performer and it is a God-given bone in my body. It is a God-given talent and it is my one true love more than coaching, more than anything. Performing and singing is my one true love. And so um, it was a little bit confusing because I am a performer, but I also actually did want to be seen for my truth. But how that kind of showed up for me is performing is how you get love. Um, uh, what you what you do is is how you get love. Uh, winning is how you get, how you get love. Awards are how you get love. Um, achieving uh, really overachieving perfectionism, doing it right is how you get love. Needing to know, I had to. I felt like I had to really know like ten, where my life was going. Like at 13, 14, there was pre- this pressure on me of what my, what I was going to do with my life from a really young age, and. Um, it was just a lot of pressure. And so I feel like I took that into my adulthood and um, performed from that place. And now, and then when I, when I, as an adult, like I was, I was literally performing, but also I was, it, it felt like the, doing the performance monkey was the only thing that was acceptable. So my, my vulnerability wasn't welcome. I mean, this wasn't necessarily true, but this is a story I created. My vulnerability, vulnerability wasn't welcome. Um, you know, my, my truth wasn't welcome. I have to have it all together. I have to have it buttoned up. Uh, so that performer was really, was really strong. And then when I was 16, I was on American Idol and I got really far and I got to the top 36 and, you know, did the whole shebang, sang for America, the whole voting, all the things. And it was a very traumatizing experience. It's a cool story. You know, it's a, it's a cool story to, to relive that experience, but it was a very traumatizing experience because I, I had to leave my hometown. I moved to LA for like three months and I lived in a hotel room with my mom while I was going through the auditions and also waiting for the live show. And um, I was away from my friends. I was away from my family. My mom and I had a really tumultuous relationship growing up. So it was difficult to be in one room with her for three months. Uh, and I was doing really well with all of my auditions and was singing like bluesy old um, music. And, and I was one of the judges favorites and there was all these blogs, I talk about pressure. There's all these blogs about um, betting on who was gonna win. I was the top uh, runner for people who was betting I was gonna win. And um, the judges, I, they had picked me as one of their favorite. And um, as much as my ego really liked it, it was, it was also so much pressure. My, my, my school did a whole Steve, vote for Stevie campaign. My church, you know, I, I, came, I come from a mega church and uh, my church did a whole vote for Stevie campaign. It was my hometown. No one has ever heard of it before. My, I, this put my hometown on the map, you know? And so the, the, the debilitating pressure as a 16 year old minor was unfathomable. And um, I got to the big show, the live performance, and I tanked. I, I messed Hope up. Artist. <laughs> you know? right? like- yeah. It's always how it is. And um, I, I messed up. And the, they want good TV, you know. So the producer, before I went on stage, he handed me the microphone and he said, um, don't fuck up. You're about to sing in front of 33 million people. And then handed me the microphone. And I'm literally shaking. It. My body is, you could hear in my voice, I was so scared and um, yeah, I just, it was a really, it was a really poor performance. And I can look back now from my adult self and say, oh, sweetie, like, mm-hmm. 
you know, whoa, look how much pressure you were under, look how much, um, how much anxiety you had. And um, the, the judges, it was like, it's interesting because I actually had never, up until last year, I had never, ever, ever watched my live performance. I was too ashamed. It brought up too much for me. And my therapist was like, it's time. We have to watch this and you have to be with this. And when I watched it, um, I, wa I, I made it through like 15 seconds and burst into sobs. And to see myself, like how scared I was. And, and then I finally got through the whole thing after about an hour, I could only watch in increments. Um, the judges tore me apart. They just tore me apart and, and ripped me to shreds. And so I went home the next night. I got voted off the next night. I was, I was, it was a relief for me because I actually did want to go home. I was missing my family and I was missing my friends, but um, it was, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. I wasn't going back to the same life. It was never going to be the same because kids either made fun of me for, for my performance or um, they would stop being friends with me because I thought that they thought I was too good, too cool for school. And I had been on TV. So, you know, and that wasn't true, but that's, you know, what they, they said. So my school life had blown up. Um, my home life was also not great because I could feel my family's disappointment. Um, and they, you know, bless their heart. They really wanted it for me. And, you know, I think also for them, but um, I could feel their disappointment. And so it was just like, the pressure didn't end. You know, it was like, oh my God, this ends now. And it was actually, no, it was just the beginning. Mm -hmm nothing ended it was actually um just starting so from that experience i think um i hadn't i hadn't realized you know i i again i, I worked this out finally in therapy but i hadn't realized how much it had affected my adult life and there were all these moments where um in my adulthood i would get to a, a peak where it was like you know get to a, a moment that's really important and it feels like i'm gonna really have a, a, a success a succeed and I sabotage, mm -hmm. I get really scared because, and I'm like, why? And my therapist is like, Stevie, what happened the last time you got to the pinnacle? What happened, what happened the last time you got to the, that moment of major success? Your, your life blew up, your, your life literally blew up. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been, it's not the reason I got into coaching at all, but looking back at my journey, the wounds that were created from that experience definitely had shaped the work I definitely have shaped the work that I do now with clients and, and the work that I've done with myself and you know American Idol was a, a a microcosm of a macrocosm like it's it was a it was a kind of like a um it was just an example even though it was such a huge thing that happened to my life it was such an example of how I've always operated and how I operated in my family so it nothing was actually never really new it just was more um it was like failing on a grandiose scale. Like the, the, I had seen it as a failure, failing at a grandiose scale publicly, like actually with millions of people watching publicly. So it was a really traumatizing event. Um, and that, that those pieces have kind of come into my adulthood and, and I, I work with those, I work with that stuff in the work that I do now. Yeah. And to track back to your initial share of really feeling the sense and kind of also creating the story that your love came from performance, achievements, accomplishments, you know, making other people laugh or, or uh, enjoy your performance. 
uh, that it came from outside of you, that your worth and your love came from these external things. I think that that is a very relatable narrative. So maybe it's not singing, but maybe it's your schoolwork and getting straight A's and getting into the best college and your perfectionist that way. Or maybe it's how you show up around work and the pressure you put on yourself in your career. Or maybe that's how you, how you relate to yourself as a mother and how you raise your kids or it's your body and it's food. And you need to, you know, maybe you're like, I've had so many clients where like the people who put the most pressure on them to lose weight were their parents. And it was as if their love from their parents depends upon them getting thinner. And so I think while your situation, right? Like, I think it's relatable to people. And obviously this like failing on a grandiose stage publicly, like yeah, sounds incredibly ridiculously <laughs> traumatizing. And so I can see how that supports you in the work that you do now, right? And having had to work through and overcome and transform the, the inner child work, the, the healing, uh, the shame, all of that really is infused into the work that you do now. I feel like I threw some words out there that maybe not everybody that I haven't really talked about on the podcast. So and you didn't really mention this, but directly you mentioned it in hindsight, like you watched the video of little 16 year old Stevie. And you can also now as an adult, look back on her and have so much compassion for her, which is inner child work. Can you just explain a little bit more like what inner child work is, why it's so important? So yeah. So inner child work is essentially, well, what inner child is, it's the version of us. It's the three-year-old, the five-year-old, the nine-year-old, the 12-year-old, 16-year-old. It's the version of us that has taken on the wounding, the stories, the uh, belief systems, the trauma. And what's crazy about inner child is that it doesn't go away when we become adults. We're we're still very much um, children inside. And what happens is it's going to be trigger city if we're not connected to him or her. And I say that because you know, Stevie, who is the the word evolved always seems kind of douchey, but I'm just gonna say it for this moment. <laughs> Stevie, who's you know in the work, more evolved, been been doing this work for several years. She's about five. She's been doing this work about five years. She evolved Stevie, woman Stevie. Stevie, who is traumatized and seeking validation and performing and proving, she's 29. She's been around much longer than Evolve Stevie, and she's much more in control if I'm not connected to her. So we often operate from our inner children, and we often operate from those wounds and those stories. And a lot of the work that I do with my clients is getting connected to those different ages and really understanding what did she need? How did, what did she need instead? Like what type of parenting might feel more nurturing and it's not just it's not to say that our parents are terrible people it's just sometimes they do the best they can with they have with the tools they have and sometimes it's not many tools so what kind of parenting did she need instead what would make her feel safe in this moment what does she need right now how can i love you more you know she's always speaking to us in some way um we have often gone i, I have been spent most of my life uh, not knowing she was even a thing and disconnected from her and so um to now be in, in relationship with her, in constant relationship with her and constant checking in, it, it is such a, um, it's a beautiful modality and a beautiful type of work because it allows you to 
really understand what the fear is that's coming up, you know, and work with it from a place of, of like meeting the need instead of like band-aiding it. I also think it like, like you had said, like you've only recently become aware of the concept of inner child work. I, I, I imagine like you, maybe we've been in personal development work like 10 years, would you say? You've been in it that long, maybe? Oh. Not, not that long. long. Oh, like, like five, six. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. So I think inner child work is a concept that's like well known in the personal development world, but I, I don't necessarily think that it's like well known in the world in general. Yeah. And so what's really interesting is if you're not aware of your inner child, an event can happen, like a triggering conversation, like somebody could not text you back, or uh, you see on Instagram that you weren't invited to something that your friends are doing, or you're like, you see something on the news or with your coworkers, like some, some event can happen and it can really trigger your inner child. And then you are literally responding and reacting from that age, from that, the lens that you had when that first initial wound was created. And so we, you know, get stressed and anxious and scared and we re re react in these ways that are, are, that maybe we're not always the most proud of, or we're like, I don't know how I reacted that way, or we, or we don't know why. And if you don't have the awareness that like, that's your inner child getting re-triggering, re-triggered, I think it can feel really disempowering. And so understanding what age you are, like responding from, and hopefully I'm doing a good job explaining this. Great. Okay, but understanding like I just got triggered and I'm reacting from 14 year old Kara or I'm reacting from 16 year old Stevie, even though you're in this 29 year old body, even though I'm in this 32 year old body, like really understanding that like that's the place from which I react, I'm reacting from is that awareness in and of itself is so, so healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, so then you can work with, you know, with the example of someone not texting you back or, or your friends not inviting you, you can work with you know, the four-year-old part that's afraid she's going to be abandoned again, instead of like, it's actually not about anxiety. It's not about anger. It's not about, it's the part of you that thinks that she's going to be left behind, that she's forgettable, that she's forgotten. And you can work with that part and go, oh, sweetheart, I hear you. That makes so much sense. And I think what's also important about inner child work is you don't invalidate. You don't go, no, don't feel that way. Don't feel that way. It's, 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 what a lot of parents do don't feel that way and i i am so happy to know this information now because i really want to be my partner and i want to have a, a baby in the next couple of years and um i want to be the type of parent that is welcoming to all the things welcoming the tantrums welcoming the 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 fears welcoming the sad welcoming the shame all of it and so but you work that same way with yourself so you go ah oh, yeah that really makes sense it really makes sense that this is reminding you of when so-and-so left or when you were forgotten at the park or when, uh, you know, you, the, the girls didn't want to play with you, play tag with you on the playground. And what did that feel like? And, oh yeah, that makes sense. I hear you. I see you. What do you need from me? I don't forget you. I'm here. You are not forgotten, you know, and, but, but giving yourself this space to actually feel whatever is coming up instead of going to, no, I'm sure they just forgot. And, you know, it's like, no, give, give the emotion a space to be felt. Yeah. It's a certain level of acknowledgement and acceptance and not, uh, invalidating, right. And, and shutting down. So 
I kind of want to like quickly share like a quick little story, like an actual in an actual on the court example for those listening who this is still kind of a little bit of like an esoteric, like in the clouds kind of idea. Do you have uh, an example where you can share where your inner child got triggered, uh, but you're in your 29 year old body that you can kind of allow people to really see? Mm. Yeah, so recently, maybe like a month ago, I was, um, yeah, yeah, this is one. So recently, um, a girlfriend of mine got into, and it actually wasn't even an argument, I had hurt her. I was, I lost consciousness in a moment and made fun of her in a way that I thought was fine in the moment. And she was, we were giggling and laughing and, and I thought it was playful, but later she told me that I'd really hurt her. And the, the amount of deep, deep shame spiral that I went into, Kara, was beyond. And I, um, it, was, it was a really scary feeling for me because of course I don't wanna hurt my friend. I, that's never my intention. I felt, and it wasn't in, in the moment, I wasn't trying to hurt her. I wasn't trying to bring her down. I lost consciousness and I didn't think about um, how this particular joke would have um, hurt her in a, deeper way and when she shared that with me I was like oh fuck I was so upset with myself and I went into a deep shame spiral because what was coming up was um because of my own abandonment when my dad left when I was three I was reacting from my three-year-old part and I was literally melting down I was freaking out and um I was freaking I were super close so like all of this is really welcome and it's not you know we can all we can all hold this with each other but um, I was reacting from the three-year-old part that felt like it's my fault that my dad left. I mean, he actually told me it was my fault, but, uh, my, it's my fault that, uh, that he left and I'm, I, I'm a destroyer. Like I can ruin, I can ruin, I can ruin things. I can just level families. And so when she told me how upset she was, I immediately went into, I ruined the relationship. I destroyed the, our foundation. We're never going to be able to come back from this. I'm, I'm, I've done something so unforgivable. It'll, I'll, we'll never be able to come back. And she's like, "Bitch, stop! Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> she was like, "Stop!" But it was, it was. That's what was coming up. I was so deeply triggered that she was. She, we, she, I ruined the relationship, and she was never going to love me again. And I made, I killed love, and I, I made it go away. So that's kind of like a, um, in the, in the real example. Um, Mm-hmm. And we were, it was, we so beautifully um, worked through it and, and came out on the other side so much stronger. And here's what I also learned. And so what I did personally is, um, I mean, I needed to repair the situation with her and, and, and repair that relationship, which was, which happened wonderfully, like I said, but with myself, I needed to work with the shame so the stories, when, when it comes to shame, the stories we tell ourselves, they feel so real in the moment. The stories of she's going to leave me, I broke the foundation, I'm never going to come back, we're never going to come back from this, etc. The stories are bullshit. The stories are not true. The feelings itself are gold. The feeling itself is something that we want to work with. So I tried the best I can. Uh, I, I worked with it later with my somatic therapist as well in a session, but um, I did the best I can with letting go of the stories and letting myself feel the the fear of the abandonment and the fear of um of me ruining something you know and I I was there for my three-year-old self and I was like 
It makes sense that this is freaking you out so hard. It makes sense that you feel like you've done something so wrong because of remember when dad left and you felt like you had done something wrong and he never came back and et cetera. And that makes sense. And wow, yes, yes, understand, understand. And I gave myself the space for that. Um, but what, what I've realized is, and the other thing, it, it, you know, I have a story that I have to get it right every time. And so when this, in this moment, when I got it so wrong, I realized that actually when I get it wrong, it creates more, um, more capacity for depth and intimacy. And my, my friend and I, um, again, we, we've been able to come out the other side so much stronger and more, totally more in love and, and deeper in friendship. And it's, it was a really, it was a, actually a very beautiful um, situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I have so many st- like stories and examples of when like my inner child gets triggered and then I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, of course I'm reacting this way. Mm-hmm. Like this is 13 year old Kara or 14 year old Kara or like whatever. Uh, it just gives you such perspective and it allows you to actually like, I, I think with this awareness and obviously like your best friend, I think is, it sounds like she's well-versed in this as well. It just, does allow for the deeper levels of intimacy and a deeper level, deeper level of connection with yourself, with whoever's, whoever is involved. Um, I just think inner child work is, is so important. And like, it's a huge part of the work I do one-on-one with my clients, but it's something I never talk about. Like, I don't think you would know how much inner child work is a part of my coaching from the outside. Cause I don't really talk about it. It's just something that happens in the one-on-one containers, but I'm sharing it now. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's, it's something I do every day coaching with clients and it's um, really important. I think when it comes to transformation and healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to like pull that pin out of talking about healing from the body, trauma in the body, why you don't like, I'm totally with you. Like the cognitive work, the thought work, the mindset work, the limiting beliefs, the stories, like all that shit's important, really necessary. And also we want to bring in that component of the body. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us, you're a breathwork facilitator. Can you talk about the soma, why we also want to heal from the body? How does breathwork help you with all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my belief is, and not just my belief, it's several people's beliefs, <laughs> is that um, healing happens in the body. And so as much as mindset and thought work are great, um, you know, we've, we, you and I do a ton of this in our work together. I do this with myself. I do it with my, my other clients, but we also do a lot of the work with the body and we do a lot of embodiment practices and I have you doing weird things in my office. <laughs> I know I've, I've told some of my clients, I'm like, look, my coach makes me dance in front of her. All right. Like you can do this. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and so I, 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 I believe that trauma and limiting beliefs and stories, I believe they live in the body and they live in the, the soma, in the nervous system. And so um, a lot of the work that I do is working with embodying the version of you where you're already living in the reality you want to be calling in. But also not just that, but also um, how do you want, how do you get to express sad when you're feeling mad, when you're feeling anger? What does that look like in your body? If you were to let yourself embody sad, what would that look like? Because what happens is when you actually let yourself take the, assume the position of sad. So if, you know, you can't, you guys can't see me, but as you're listening, I'm, I'm kind of rolling my shoulders in, my head is dropping, my eyes are, my eyes are going down. I'm, there's like a, it's almost like a, there's a weight pushing on me and I can actually tap into the sad way more if I'm embodying it with my whole body. And that allows me to feel it in a way that maybe I haven't felt 
before and, and feel it deeper than I've ever done. And that's what allows it to, to move through, to move through it and to, and to leave your body. And um, I've been working myself personally with a somatic therapist for about four months now. And she's absolutely changing my life because she's helping me tap into pockets of shame and trauma in my body that I didn't even know were there at all. So, um, I, you know, when with coming, talking about breath work, breath work, it's, breath work is an ancient, ancient healing modality. It's huge. It's always been huge in Eastern cultures. It's starting to get really big in Western cultures now and, and in our modern day. But breath work is so great because it is, I, be, I believe it is one of the most healing modalities in the world because it bypasses the ego, you bypass the mind and you go right into the body. And when you're in the body, that's when you're connected to truth. That's when you're connected to source. That's when you're connected to your intuition. Uh, that's when you can really release a lot of trauma, when you can um, tell the truth about who you really are and come back into the, come back into that truth. So breath work has been uh, so huge for me and personally in my, in, in my own healing and um, huge for my clients as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like, I, I'm almost done with the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book essentially talks about how trauma is stored in the body and going back to what we were talking about earlier about how, like a lot of what parents will do is they're like, don't feel that way. Don't cry. Right. So they sort of like invalidate and shut down and that represses emotions and emotions are energy in motion. And if you stuff down and you stop an emotion from being fully processed and fully felt, it gets stuck and trapped in the body. And that can lead to aches and pains. It can lead to disease, right? Like if we want to talk about Joe Desponza's work, I believe. Um, But this somatic work, right? So you were talking about finding pockets of shame in your body that you didn't know were there. I, I guess I'm kind of, there's a part of me that's like, are some are, like is this landing is this making sense like is it definitely true like do we know this mm. I'm kind of like what would you say to somebody who's like I don't know what they're talking about storing pain in the body breath work being in the body I don't know what I would say I don't know that I would say anything I I, I kind of I kind of um give people the chance to just come to this themselves if it's and if it's not the t- right time then that's okay but I don't know I don't have any studies or articles or anything like that but what I do know is that you know you you mentioned a really good point about energy and motion and when it gets stuck and trapped when we don't allow ourselves to move it it's kind of like having a big hard rigid cold block of ice in your body and what breath work does and what embodiment work does is it's when you when you breathe into the pain and you give the you give the pain uh, the the ability to be felt and and seen and held and heard it's like it's like bringing warmth to the frozen and so eventually over time that block of ice gets a little bit meltier and smaller and smaller and then eventually dissipates mm. you can clear it mm but you need breath to do that. Hmm. You You need, you need the willingness to feel. And here's the thing, Kara, we are in a society that tells us not to feel. Right. We're in a society that says medicate and just, you know, avoid, avoid, you know, go to go work out, you know, and even, even in the personal development industry, read one more book, one more meditation. And it's actually like, we need to feel, we need to feel. Mm. And it really makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, 
I'm, I'm also someone who, who has come from major avoidance and major not feeling for most of my life as well. So I, I absolutely get it. Um, but it makes sense that we, biologically, it makes sense that we wouldn't want to feel because we biologically are wired to go, Ooh, saber tooth tiger. I don't want to feel that run. Right. Our modern day saber tooth tiger is anxiety. It's stress. It's bills. It's, you know, the guy not texting you back. Those are the modern day things. And so we go, Ooh, not safe, not safe. Can't feel this run. And so we, we don't feel, and we push it down. And, um, the, I think the best, one of the, the things that, um, my mentor, one of my mentors has ever taught me is in, in order to be feeler, in order to be better, what did she say? Um, I'm like totally butchering it in this moment in order to be, in order to be okay well I can't remember but essentially it means like we have to feel in order to heal right yeah yeah like I think we've had some conversations about this like p- the pain is the portal or, like the wound is where the light enters like the pain is the medicine we have to feel to heal mm-hmm. and I think that what's really interesting is if we have an unwillingness to feel these feelings that unwillingness then gets put in the driver's seat of our car. So we're not actually really like in control of our life. Our unwillingness to feel is what's driving us to keep ourselves really, really busy to scroll endlessly on Instagram, to seek out, you know, a perfect body, perfect food, right? Like whatever avoidance strategy we're using to not feel feeling. And so we're not actually really living the life. And then on top of that, we then have to be with the pain of not really getting to be who we want to be and live the life that we want to want to live yeah so i'm telling you you guys the pain of not getting to be who you really are and the pain of having to be performative and the pain of you know carrying this eating disorder that is not you with you for the rest of your life is so much more painful than the shit that you got to feel Right. Yeah. And like, I think it's so important to reiterate, like how safe it is to feel like you have the ability to feel the shame, the sadness, the guilt, the remorse, the grief, right? Like it's 100% our society, like tells us to just like smile and be happy and like only control your emotions, right? Like that is 100% like what we are taught as, as people. So I get why we are so afraid to feel and why we live in avoidance of feeling and why we think we have to put on this tough exterior all the time. Like it makes sense. And, and at the same, and coming from where I'm sitting and where you're sitting, I think we both can speak to of like, just feel it because like the the expansion that's on the other side, the piece that's on the other side, other side, like is so worth going into the, the gooey cocoon, you know? Absolutely. And Kara, I just want to tell you too, you've been such a champ with this. I feel like you've been, not that it's your first go around or that you haven't felt anything in your life before, but I just want to say like in our work together, you, you've been such a champ at this and it's been so fun to witness you in that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a great, I've had a good time with everything that we've done. And like, um, I know uh, I had I had shared with you like how I had this vision of you holding me while I was crying and like healing this like I have uh, like deep inner child wounds around like not fitting in and people don't like me like that is like the dominant narrative of my life is that people don't like me like that's my story that is like my biggest inner child wound is like I don't fit in I'm not cool and people don't like me and that gets that that does still get triggered to this day and it got triggered earlier this year. Um, I knew exactly what was happening. Like I was very aware of like the 
the sensations that were arising in my body, the stories that I was telling myself about the situation that I was in were like, people didn't like me or didn't, like I was so present to like what was being triggered. Um, and I had the vision in that triggered experience of like, oh, I just want Stevie to hold me and let me cry uh, so that I can like reparent and like heal this like wound when I was told to like shut up and get over it, which was like how my parents, again, no shame to my parents, they did the best they could, but they told me to like get over my shit, like I'm fine. And so I just always wasn't validated. And so then the very next day, I didn't even ask you just intuitively, you're like, do you just want to be in this emotion right now? Like, why don't you sit in my lap and you can cry? And I was like, yes, is exactly what I want. Please just hold me while I cry. <laughs> and it was so special. It was so moment I so enjoyed it yeah yeah and like deeply nourishing for me as well yeah yeah um I just I I feel like people who listen who are listening to this podcast want to heal and they want this freedom and they and they want all of that um and so it's cool to just share a little behind the scenes of like I'm always still doing that work for myself so thank you for you know bringing that up and talking about it one last question before we wrap this up. What are you most excited about in life right now? Thank you for asking that. I would have to say my relationship. Ooh, tell me more. Do you want to go into that a little bit more? I mean, you know, whatever feels good to share. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were, you were on one of my um, <laughs> my workshops the other day where we did Vivid Vision and I read some um, some intentions for my relationship, which kind of got steamy. But it um, was awesome. I was like, this relationship. <laughs> I, I am really excited about my relationship right now. I feel like 2020 was such a good, I mean, I know that it was so difficult for so many people, but 2020 was, was quarantine was really good for my relationship. And um, we're in a place right now where so much is shifting. We're both changing so much. How We're both changing indiv individually. We're both working with a coach. Um, and he's never worked with a coach before. You know, I'm like Mrs. Coach all the time. <laughs> yeah, same. He's, he's never done anything like that before. And so he, he started working with a coach this year and he's getting so much out of it. So we're both shifting really deeply and um, our relationship is shifting. It's, I mean, we've been together for uh, over six years, a little over six years. And um, the people that we were six years ago are like unrecognizable, unrecognizable. And um we're also starting Tantra on Friday with our somatic therapist and we're so excited. I feel like it's just going to open so many portals for us. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I can, I can imagine who you were six years ago, pre personal development work. <laughs> I was a dingbat. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think about who I was before like personal development work, which was largely what helped me heal from my eating disorder. Like I didn't do traditional uh, like therapy or treatment. I just like dove headfirst into personal development work. And I'm like the person I was before, like, fuck, you know, like, lots of love for her. She just was like, I mean, I'm still kind of winging it, but just like, uh, I think she just didn't like herself was like, to sum it up. Like, it was just a really, I just was like lost and in a lot of pain and like every day, like didn't want to wake up. Like I didn't wake up excited about life. Like I just woke up like ready to I woke up like ready for the world to try to attack me and like, how do I protect myself? And anyways, different existence. Totally different existence. Totally different existence. You're so shiny. Yeah, you too. Um, I'm reflecting off of your shine. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share on the pod? Anything else? 
Any last words of wisdom? Can I, can I use this little last moment to talk about the breath channel? Sure. Yeah. So I think um, one of the other things I'm really excited about is back in September, I launched my first membership, which is called the breath channel. And it is a breathwork membership um, that includes dozens and dozens of uh, easy, quick, effective breathwork videos. So you log in, you go into the portal, you pick how you want to feel breathwork for anxiety, for abundance, for manifestation, alignment, letting go, anger, feminine embodiment, period pain, digestion, like all the things. Um, and I add five new videos a month in there. And it's, uh, it's 20 bucks a month. So if breathwork has been something that you want to try and you've been a little daunted by doing you know, a 45 minute or hour long session, all these sessions are quick, easy, and um, really deeply uh, great at, at, at uh, shifting energy really deeply. So that's what I'm excited about too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm in it, it's great. Thank you know, you. I think it's fabulous and it's just, you did a great job. The production value is amazing. Um, and it's, it's really cool to be able to pop in, like you said, log on five to 10 minutes and completely shift your energetic state and your mindset and your mood and how you're feeling like really quickly. And I think that, uh, speaks again to what you were saying about breathwork being the most healing modality, transformative modality in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you were who uh, largely who inspired me to go get trained to be a breathwork facilitator. And I'm so excited and you were hugely influential in that. So it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Stevie, this has been amazing. I've loved chatting with you. Thank you for sharing your sparkle and shine and magic and healing energy with the pod. Uh, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, Kara. I'm so happy to be here. Fun fact, my Burning Man name was going to be Glitter this year. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Uh, Have you been to Burning Man? I haven't, but I want to go so bad. Yeah. My Burning Man name, I got named Cupcake. I didn't really have much of an impact, but I brought a bunch of like raw vegan cupcakes to Burning Man back in like 2013. And then again in 2015. And so that was like my Burning Man name, but I feel like it doesn't suit me anymore. (laughs) You've evolved past Cupcake. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But I think glitter is very suitful for you. Yeah. Yeah. Before you pop off today, I just want to remind you to check out foodbodysoul.co. Go check out the membership. It's an absolutely incredible place to self-reflect, to cultivate self-compassion and a deeper connection to yourself. It's a place where you can retreat from your everyday life and do some inner work and show yourself some attention and love and support you in healing and liberating yourself so that you can be who it is that you most desire to be. So head to foodbodysoul.co to learn more. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Love Your Bud Pod.